Welcome to Gesundheit with Jacobus, Health Talk Radio, integrating allopathic and all-natural medicine one show at a time. Here is your host, Jacobus Hollowine. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. It's uh, good to be with you, even though it is very cold out. I think it's minus four or minus six, and there's a little bit of a wind so that definitely brings the temperature down even more. Good morning to you, a program here about health, healing, and healthy lifestyles. We invite the experts on the program. We're going to talk about emotional health, family therapy, couple therapy. Uh, it's going to be very, very interesting. I think this will give you some insights into developments that have happened maybe already a couple decades ago, but it is slowly but surely integrating into the Bozeman, Gallatin Valley, Park County communities so that uh, you are you can find new help in case other therapies may not have worked. And that is the whole purpose, right? I mean, we're, we're learning new things and integrating them in our lives and so that we can become the best person we want to be and we, we are able to be. So this is always a show about health, healing, and healthy lifestyles and where we talk about the body, the mind, and the spirit. And uh, I just want to keep in mind that as we talk about health topics, the purpose of the show has always been education, information, and hopefully a little entertainment. It's not our purpose to diagnose, treat, or cure. Always recommend that you visit or contact the guests from the program after the show and that you uh, set up an appointment with them or that you go see somebody of your own choice or a physician or find information or through the internet, magazines, books, just reputable places where you can find the answers you're looking for, not just for yourself, but also for those close to you. So again, I really appreciate you tuning in today. It's um, let, me, let me introduce you to guests because I, there is a lot we can talk about and and one of the guests cannot be at a full time, so she will only be here about an hour and a half. So I really want to use what I can. Uh, the first one, Lori Case Marchak, is co-owner of Gallatin Psychotherapy, Inc. She is known for her ability to work deeply and powerfully with clients, helping them achieve profound change. Lori works with couples and individuals suffering with relationship distress, trauma, and anxiety. She is often successful with couples and individuals who have previously found them uh, found counseling ineffective. Lori has studied with Dr. Sue Johnson, one of the leading innovators in the field of couple therapy. She is also, Sue Johnson is also director of the International Center for Excellence in Emotionally Focused Therapy, I-C-E-E-F-T, the International Center for Excellence in Emotionally Focused Therapy. Lori is an I-C-E-E-F-T certified emotionally focused therapist and supervisor and community leader in the development and training of effective couple therapy. She provides private intensives for couples and individuals traveling locally and nationally. With her romantic partner, she offers affordable weekend couple workshops. Lori is certified in internal family systems, which enriches her work with individuals and couples. Lori completed an MS in mental health counseling at Montana State University in 2000 and a PhD in experimental psychology at the University of Minnesota in 1990. I better get that going. Good morning, Lori. Good morning. It's so nice to be here. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I want to let people know that Gallatin Psychotherapy, Inc. 
is uh, pretty much that's the website, GallatinPsychotherapy.com. GallatinPsychotherapy.com, and they're located at 1902 West Dickerson Street. And the telephone number over there is 582-0500, 582-0500. Awesome. Thank you. And then we have Julie, who is with us as well. Julie Manano is a licensed marriage and family therapist and licensed clinical professional counselor. She works with couples who are looking for a healthier relationship. Her practice focuses on the following. Emotion-focused couples therapy, EFT, relationship communication problems, conflict resolution, intimacy issues, affairs and other serious breaches of trust, navigating important decisions, and parenting issues. She says there are a few things in life more painful than feeling stuck in a relationship that is unfulfilling at best and miserable at worst. And yet, there is so much hope that things can truly be better. There is a way out of the constant conflict, painful disconnection, and lack of understanding so many couples are struggling with. Julie has a website, juliemtherapy.com. You can go there, juliemtherapy.com. And her telephone number is 580-8082-406-580-8082. Julie, good to see you again. Morning. Good morning to you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. We... uh, when I heard EFT, I thought first of emotional freedom technique, and that was not it. It is uh, emotionally focused couple therapy. Right. Now, uh, Lori, when when was this all? When when did it all start? Sue Johnson is kind of the innovator, or is she one who heard about it and brought it to the masses? She is the innovator, and it started for me about ten years ago when I saw her at a conference in D.C. Yeah, and I was mesmerized when I saw her. I'd already been a counselor for 10 years, and I had a successful practice. Uh-huh. But I started over at that point. Um, I had a divorce a few years before I saw her, and I could never understand what on earth went wrong in my yeah. marriage. Yeah. Um, and she just nailed it, and it was so inspiring. So I've been doing couples work since then. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Yeah. That is, a, it is interesting. Sometimes you just need to hear that one thing. Mm-hmm. And it just connects, right? And yeah. that's what you're doing in your work, too. You hope to find, to say those few things or one thing that all of a sudden the couple or the individual says, that's, oh, now I finally get it. Yeah. The light goes on. Yeah, relationships actually make sense. We know what's going wrong and we know how to make it work. Yeah. Huh. So, and and I was able to go on the website and you, I, I, I encourage people to go and look at YouTube, but also at your mm-hmm. website because... In your uh, biography, there are different links you can link to and then um, give you a better idea. You can look at some videos from Sue Johnson and and, and how she explains it. It's it's very warm, very common sense. Um, Apparently, it has created a breakthrough for many people in psychology because there is kind of a controversy about how uh, how we approach mental and emotional health uh, there has always been often been the principle of um, setting boundaries and being very clear uh, what you can say and cannot say but this is kind of a different approach can you explain to us please what what we're talking about here today and you're right the field is very fractured right now and it is controversial Uh, the idea is that the insight that sue had is that couples are bonded like you might picture a very happy mother-infant pair. 
yeah. how close they are and how connected mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. That adults have the same kind of bond, and it's just two directions. Both persons are, both individuals are that dependent on each other and need each other um, in distress or when we're excited or have positive emotions, we need each other yes. to help us with those emotions. Um, or, um, or we have to cope in various ways that make life hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very different uh, thing because we meet each other at a, d- a certain stage in our life mm-hmm. where we may be fragile mm-hmm. and or fractured, so to say, from uh, experiences, but we bring our own backpack of junk with us and yes. good things too, right? Yeah. And once you start opening those, doing the camping trip uh, together, then you realize that uh, that there are definitely similarities, but also differences. And how do you work through the differences? How important do the differences become within the relationship? Sometimes people have different ideas about stuff, but they say it's okay. If you, I think differently, but I'm totally at peace with it. Yeah, it ends up not being about the differences or about what we fight about. It ends up being about touching. When we're close to each other and we're attached to each other like a partner is, we're touching each other so deep, deeply so we can touch each other's baggage that we don't even know exists in our bodies. I see. kind of comes from childhood. So you might um, have an idea about something, and I might think deep down, oh, my gosh, you know, you don't care about me. Mm. But all I feel is just this irritation at you. I don't know that I'm feeling you don't care about me. Yeah. And so then I might express that irrit- irritation and my disagreement and might say something that I have a different idea about it. Yeah. And you might hear, oh, uh, you're not good enough for me. Mm. But you don't know that's the message you're getting because it's deep down. It's an old message. I see. And you might start to withdraw or get defensive. Um, and all of a sudden we're caught in mm-hmm. a pattern that um, has us feel not quite so safe with each other and not so close. Mm. And we don't know what's going on. We're both innocent victims of, of kind of so, patterns yeah. that we get caught in. Yeah, yeah. yeah that grow over the years. Hmm. Hmm. Julie, you also, obviously, you work, you're doing this work. You haven't done it as long as Lori, mm-hmm. but you also see people coming in to your office, and they do you actually have people come in and say, you know, we think that everything is fine, but we still feel that we can work on ourselves. Uh, is, is that also, uh, are those some of the people that come to you, is it usually issues where there are problems? Well, most of the people do show up with, Pretty significant problems. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes I get couples who come in and and they just are coming in more preventatively, which is much easier to work with. Um, we love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's 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 a um, best case scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically, even the couples that come in um, significantly distressed, they don't a lot of times really realize how distressed they are. Huh. Um, well, sometimes they do. It's a it's a continuum. Yeah. But there's a lot going on underneath the surface that they really just have no awareness of. And mm-hmm. why would they? Um, they've never, you know, typically we bring this baggage to the relationship that kind of prohibits us from really understanding completely what's going on uh-huh. on a deeper level inside of us. So all they're seeing is the behaviors and the way that they're showing up with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we kind of start to dive in and see it in a different way, um, it, it might, for some people open their eyes to bigger problems than they realize were there. Do you often work with people before, let's say, a marriage? or mm-hmm. do you, Is that uh, more common these days, that I would, people are serious and do this, or is it usually after they've been together for a while? 
Um, that's interesting. Lori and I were talking about this last night. Um, I've noticed that the younger generations, like the millennials, are coming in proactively. Huh. For sure. Um, mm. They're coming in after they get engaged and saying, hey, we just want to make sure that, you know, we're doing the best. We're, we're starting off on the best foot possible, huh. which is amazing because mm. what happens is you just have fewer, you know, you have less mistrust to dig through because mm-hmm. what happens is the more people become entrenched in these negative patterns, um, the more, the more trust starts to erode in the relationship. Yeah. And when that happens, it, it, it's not hopeless at all. It's doable. It just takes longer to start to build that trust back up. Mm-hmm. So, mm. Yeah. It's uh, I'm thinking all of a sudden, I don't know if it still happens, but in the olden days you would go to the priest, right? And then you mm-hmm. as a couple and you become educated by the priest sure. who has never been married, but sure. somehow <laughs> is the expert, you know? Yeah. We know how well that works. <laughs> how many children you, uh, you want to have or should have or whatever. Yeah, interesting. Well, that is great. You know, I, I have to say many of these millennials, they're just super bright. I, I think they're very fast, very, there's a lot of intuitiveness uh, for them to, to come to come out and, or to come forward and say, you know, we want to work on this together because we've seen too much damage done around us. We want to make sure that we're not going to make the same mistake. Um, I have three millennials, I think, and uh, my own children and just to observe them and 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 observe their thinking and how they uh, approach life and relationships is inspiring mm-hmm. you know i'm standing back and my wife too and we just say it's amazing they got their heads on screwed right mm-hmm. so we're very we're very happy with that and i'm glad to hear that the millennials are jumping in because that is the future right and a lot of them have been in therapy you know their mm-hmm. parents were more aware um, than mm-hmm. the previous generations of parents. Yeah. So they have some good experiences with that. And mostly it's just not shaming. It's not a shaming anymore to yeah. um, have, be in therapy. There's People a lot are, less stigma, a lot absolutely. more willing to reach out for help. Right. Yeah. For me, what's super inspiring too, though, is a couple who's been married for 30 years. And they may, they may have stories about each other. Um, one person might think, oh, my husband's really a jerk. And the guy might think my... Wife's kind of really hard to live with, you know, mm. kind of a pain. And they might have thought that about each other for 30 years, but then they can come to therapy and all of a sudden that's transformed. They can see each other in completely different ways and yeah. understand each other yeah, and have a closeness that they've never had huh. and been able to heal decades worth of pain and sadness. Yeah, yeah. and often they may have had children or they may have yeah. children that yeah. all the focus went on raising the children and all of a sudden the children are out the door and now they're on the, together again, mm-hmm. and you kind of have to get used to that again, right. you know, to sharing the house together. Yeah, all of a sudden you have to face each other and say, what is our relationship? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Communication is important. Uh, Lori Marchuk and Julie Manano are here. They're uh, licensed professional clinical counselors. They are. They have their own practice. Each has their own practice, but they're here because we're talking about um, emotionally focused couple therapy. And this also works for individuals. So it is not just for couples. It's also for individuals. It's also for parents with children. So if there is something that can be worked out in the relationship, it's, it's in that aspect, it is uh, very three-dimensional, so to say. As we are talking about the, 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 this therapy, can you give me a definition why this is different than, than therapies that many people are used to? What, what is the emotionally focused is it, by the way, is it emotion-focused 
Or is it emotionally? It's emotionally, it's emotionally. Yeah, because focused. I see it both yeah. ways. Yeah, emotionally focused. Emotionally focused couples therapy of couple therapy. First of all, it's not a talk therapy. It's not talk it's therapy. It's not talk therapy. It's experiential. So when a couple comes in, we're going to focus on their emotional experience, mm-hmm. which, is, which lives in our bodies, not in our heads. Uh, and as we focus on the emotions, uh, couples might come in and they might be frustrated or with each other, or they, they might have gone numb with each other. I see. But as we focus on those experiences of frustration and numbness, it's like unpeeling the layers of an onion, um, deeper and deeper experiences emerge. And we don't get there by talking about it. We get there by um, um, tuning in and being with clients and, and what they're experiencing in their body. Huh. Okay, so um, do you have an example of that? Do you have an uh, Can you tell me more? Because I, most people would expect that if you do psychoanalysis, you lay on a couch and the therapist is behind you, kind of. Maybe that has changed a little bit, but that is talk therapy. You just process, yeah. right? Uh, free, uh, what is free? Um, free association. Yeah, thank you. And, but this is, then there are those where you sit right across from the therapist and uh, you talk and you, you get feedback or not right away, but you have a chance to talk. Yeah. What do you mean in this case, it's not talk therapy? So when someone, we ask, you know, where, what's an example where there might be tension between the two of you? And let's focus our attention there and slow that moment down. Hmm. And someone might start to then use a lot of words to explain their experience. Um, but we really want to focus on what are you feeling now in your body as you talk about that, as you look at that point in time. And, and then there's frustration. There's frustration there. And as we focus our attention on that frustration, yeah. And we're with the client in that because yeah. it makes so much sense that you'd be frustrated when you're hearing you're getting it wrong mm-hmm. for your partner again, or you're hearing that they don't care, that you might even be very angry. As we're with our client's experience, and we feel it too, we feel it with them. Wow. So yeah. that people aren't alone, and we feel compassion for that, and we understand that. And then uh, with safety, we provide the safety for people to uh, open up and see what's underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, but that experience, mm-hmm. deeper and deeper. So underneath that, there might be some anxiety, some anxiety in my body, like I get anxious. I'm, I'm hearing you don't care about me. Mm. Or there might be a whole lot of sadness to hear that that um, there's this distance between us and you don't love me anymore. That's what I'm here feeling inside. Right. And those experiences inside our body emerge as we focus our attention yeah. and are there with our clients. And so it's new. It's new. People are learning more about themselves mm. and each other. Mm. And then another part of our, the experience is when, when people uncover new experiences in their body um, with our focused attention and they feel safe with us and in the room with their partner to open up and experience them for the first time, mm. we then ask them to share those experiences with each other directly. We do or we do not we, ask them? We do. We do ask we do. them. Yeah. By looking at the partner at and the, just say, yeah. this is what I feel. Can you turn towards your partner, right, and share that you get angry because you're hearing you don't care? Or can you turn to your partner and, and share these tears, share how sad it is for you mm. that there's this distance between the two of you? And doing that is actually um, really scary. 
scary to start to turn towards each other and be vulnerable and open up. Uh. So then we, we help people um, experience these fears of being close and being connected and share these fears with each other. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So we can start to see, really see each other. What are some of the fears? If you talk about fear, it is a, it's a, it's a, it's a big word mm-hmm. and it comes up a lot, but give us some examples. I don't know how much time we have, maybe a minute or so before we hit the break, but give us some examples of fears that people have. I'm really afraid that my emotions are too much for you. Hmm. That you wouldn't, you don't want them. You, or I'm really afraid that like I, don't, I don't want to burden you with my... Yeah, that my emotions would be a burden to you. Huh. That you wouldn't want to come comfort me and care about them or know about them. They would be a burden to you. They'd make you upset with me or disappointed in me or want to turn away from me. So I hold them in myself and try to deal with them on my own hmm. because I'm too afraid that, that you don't want them. Hmm. Also, I, I see a lot of a, a fear of the partner believing them, believing their experience. I see. Partner, partners what? Partners being afraid that if I talk about my feelings and oh. deeper experiences, you might not believe me. I see. You might not believe that that's what's really happening for me because mm-hmm. what you're seeing is you're seeing me being upset or angry or saying mean things. I see. Um, so we have, to, we have to work with that and make space for mm. the trust that these Deeper feelings are actually what's driving the behaviors that are tearing okay. them apart from each other. All right, let's continue our talk. All right. We are going to take a short break. We hope you stay with us all the way till 11. We talk about emotionally focused couple therapy. We'll be right back. We are talking about something today. It's called emotionally focused couple therapy. And it was something that was started by Dr. Sue Johnson, I think, in Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, she did that about 25 years ago. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then it has trickled down. She's been giving seminars. And now with social media, she's been able to get all these beautiful YouTube videos and clips and interviews and lectures that are being published uh, that people can listen to and, and look at. Um, and the reason why I mentioned that, look her up, uh, Dr. Sue Johnson, um, is because there is not that many therapists at this point who do the work right here in this area. It's primarily the two of you. Now, more and more therapists are becoming interested. And uh, Julie, you were saying uh, you're working with graduate students. Mm -hmm. You've given lectures to them. And there is a growing interest in this type of work. Absolutely. Yeah. And why is that? Why why is it, uh, what is so different in the therapy than what most students are used to have been studying for many years? Well, I think the bottom line is it works. I think that what happens is you may try some other modalities and they can become pretty frustrating. Um, And once you sort of latch on to EFT, you start seeing, wow, this is really, really effective, um, really helpful. And it just feels really good to be able to do what we're all trying to do, which is help people get out of pain. Um, I think the second piece of that is that a lot of other therapies tend to focus on changing the way we speak to each other, kind of what we were addressing at the beginning, um, setting better boundaries, um, working on behaviors. And, you know, I, I kind of liken it to reading a self-help book. You know, you can get a lot of really good information, um, but at the end of the day, 
if you have a lot of emotional turmoil going on inside of yourself that you don't understand, it's really hard to just change your behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is really targeting mm-hmm. the relationship from the inside out. We're building the trust foundation. We're building the intimacy. And then from that, the behaviors just sort of naturally start to take care of themselves. Yes, that's a good point. And, it, and it's lasting. Um, we're cha- it's, it's real brain change. We're building new neural pathways. Um, and it's, it's, it's permanent. You know, I'm not saying that sometimes people don't get in ruts and need to get, you know, come back and get a little help here and there. That's, that's pretty common or normal. Um, but the change, the, the real foundation of change never, it never goes away. That's true. I, I'm, I'm thinking as you talk and, you know, as long as we're alive, we can make changes in life. It is mm-hmm. with any kind of disease, physical disease. Right. It, 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 it's, it's interesting that when a doctor would tell you, you have six to eight months to live, mm-hmm. that people automatically just kick back and say, well, there's nothing else I can do. And I go, you got six to eight months. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, what can you do emotionally when you are fighting your own demons? Yeah. Six to eight months is a lot of time that you can go to work. Mm-hmm. It's not just seeing a therapist once a week. It is all the other six days of the week that you can actually do something to work on yourself. Right. And it's the same with a physical disease. And that's yeah. why I know you, you, Julie, were talking about uh, can we connect the emotional with the physical? And absolutely. And, and mm-hmm. I think this is, uh, for many people, a physical ailments uh, has started somewhere emotionally where there have been blockages and where they just couldn't work through the, through the crap, so to say. Mm-hmm. And now it's coming out physically because obviously you didn't want to work on your emotions. So the body is trying to get your attention and say, well, if you don't want to get it through the emotions, maybe I get to give you a physical disorder so you can right. start working on something. Right. And then we start to manage those emotions in a phys- in physical ways that are then destructive to us, yeah. you know, substance abuse, mm-hmm. any kind of addiction yes. or compulsion. And mm-hmm. then we create a, a vicious cycle that, you know, as we deteriorate physically, then that affects our emotions. Yes. So mm-hmm. That's a good point. When therapists go to our training, and we have had about more than 200 people trained now, introductory levels of training in emotionally focused therapy in the state. In Montana, Yes, wow. and we have probably a few dozen who have had advanced training. Huh. When therapists go to trainings in emotionally focused therapy, they weep. There's tears. We have to have Kleenex boxes. Wow, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> when we go to other kinds of couples trainings, it's all kind of in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's transformative. When you learn this model, it's extremely difficult and challenging and takes years. But when you learn it, you transform not just your therapeutic practice, but you mm. transform your own relationships as well. Wow. Is it still hard? I mean, not hard, but is it still when you work and Lori, you've done it for so long is it still that you uh, that these feelings come up you mentioned earlier you connect with the, the clients you're talking with are there still emotions coming up in you that you realize you are aware of you've worked on them but they're still there they're still they're still the less the better i feel a lot of emotion when i work with couples because i feel their sadness, I feel their pain, I feel their anger, but it's all good. And it, couples ask me, aren't you exhausted after we work? And I work in an intensive format, so we m- might work seven hours in a day. Yeah. And it's not exhausting whatsoever mm-hmm. because there's compassion and there's healing and there's growth. And it's, it's actually, it actually feels like a gift. 
to be able to work with couples in this way. Right. It, it's, it's transformative. It's, I agree. Yeah. So you become yeah. a, a therapist. I become a that, guide. Yeah. Yeah. But when you started to study this right. many years ago, you became a therapist and, and you were passionate, but you did because that is what you knew. That's what they taught you. And you probably felt, I really want to help somebody. Exactly. And if all of a sudden you, you get into this specific therapy and you go like, that's why like, I went wow. into psychology. Wow. I can really help people mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So it becomes, yeah. you found your passion. It's passionate. You yeah. found your passion yeah. in the work that you, yeah. It's yeah. addictive. And I'm sure, <laughs> in a good way. I'm yeah. sure. So yeah. is it going to be difficult for uh, many therapists in town who have this interest? Are you talking about 200 people? Um, across the state. It, across the state. Is it difficult for them to make that switch? Would it? Uh, would they lose clients uh, if they make no. a switch or not? Shouldn't no, have they to don't be. lose They actually clients. become better. Yeah, but there's a lot of unlearning that happens and a lot of new learning. Mm. And it takes many years of focused energy to master this model. Mm. Yeah. And you never really master it. Yeah. Yeah. This, uh, this, what is it? Sue Johnson has written a few books, right? Is uh, I think mm-hmm. Julie, you mentioned some. Oh, yeah, this Hold Me Tight. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a popular book, mm-hmm. and that was uh, written what twelve? You know, how long ago? Quite a bit, quite a while ago. I think she. I want to say twenty ten. Twenty ten, yeah, because I that little clip that I saw was um from 2012 mm-hmm. and and so mm-hmm. she was talking about the book hold me tight by dr sue johnson uh then she wrote the next book was called love sense uh the revolutionary new science of romantic relationships and then the her latest i guess is called created for connection and that is uh the hold me tight guide for christian couples there's Dr. Sue Johnson with Kenneth Sandifer. So Hold Me Tight is the book that probably anybody interested, they should get. Absolutely. Hold Me Tight by Dr. Sue Johnson. A Love Sense would be the second book. That's I would right. say, yeah. yes. And then the latest one, Created for Connection. All right. I just wanted to bring that up because I, uh, I, some people may say, where do I find more information? There's also a website. Okay. Um, it's... ICEFT, I-C-E-E-F-T. Lori can tell me what that exactly stands for because I can't remember. The International <laughs> Center for Excellence in Emotionally Focused Therapy. I-C-E-E-F-T.com. And on that website, you can type in your zip code and you can find um, therapists who practice this type of therapy okay. in your area. Okay, excellent. Yeah. So International Center for Excellence in Emotionally Focused Therapy, I-C-E-E-F-T. Right. Dot com. Right. Dot com. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And we also have an mteft.com, a Montana EFT. Oh, is that right? Dot com. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Well, I, I, is, now, what happened, uh, Lori, what happens when we are in distress? What, what, what comes up here? That's a wonderful question. When we are in distress, what's called our attachment system gets activated automatically. It's deeply wired in us. And that's the system that says, go find someone that's going to be there for you, to care for you, to protect you, to hold you, uh, and go find them and, um, and help them, you know, reach out for help. Mm -hmm. And our attachment system, based on what we learned as kids, either says, you know, 
you know, get big so you get their attention because because they're busy or they're distracted and you have to create a lot of noise to get their attention. Or a attachment system might say, actually numb out because there isn't going to be help out there. So there's kind of a layer. When we're in distress, there's a layer on top of that that kind of says, what are we going to do in relation to the people around us? Mm. The wired in, the normal wired in thing is to reach out yes. and say, will you be there for me? Mm-hmm. Will you be there with me in this distress? But based on our learning, um, our strategies might be different than that. We might kind of hyperactivate to get attention, or we might numb out because attention would actually make it worse for us. I see. So distress always involves an attachment piece. Hmm. Yeah. Which is why couple therapy actually can be more powerful than individual therapy. Because whenever we're in distress, whether we're anxious or addicted or depressed, our attachment system is being continually activated. You know, what's going on that when we reach out, we don't get the comfort we need. So attachment that, yeah. is, this is what attachment theory is, the, mm-hmm. the feeling of comfort? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But if someone is there with us in our distress and sees us and cares for it, for us, it just can flow through our body. Mm. It doesn't need to get stored in our body. I see. And when we're alone with our emotions, because to share them wouldn't give us that comfort, mm-hmm. then we have to do all kinds of things to cope with the pain that's stored in our body. That's right. That's right. And that is literally stored in our body literally. and it doesn't, it doesn't come out at exactly. all. Exactly. Yeah. Know? And you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it. Right. Or during the day when you're a little bored or you go on a walk and it comes up and you're thinking about it and you don't have the support or the guidance to actually get you through that pain to -hmm. bring it really to the surface Mm -hmm. and uh, deal with it. But that's why you would need a therapist who says, step back here for a second. Uh, I'm just here you tell this. Mm -hmm. Have you thought about that? How you mentioned that? How how did you, how you just expressed that? Let's talk about that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Because we're so used to telling a story. And people ask me, how did you come to the United States? I have my story ready. I don't have to think about it twice. I can do it in my sleep. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not that I cannot tell it with emotion or with uh, uh, a couple jokes, but you you tell a story because you've told it so many times. Right. And for many people, when they have to survive, we tell stories because it, it, it feels okay to tell that story, but we're not telling what is the emotions that we went through in order to get to that level. Yeah, another way of saying that is when we tell stories, which we, or even to ourselves or to somebody else, we're in our heads mm-hmm. and we're trying to make, our heads try to make sense of things. Yeah. Um, but often the way that we make sense of things has nothing to do with what we're really storing inside of our bodies, the pain that's in there. Right. In, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're listening, Julie. I'm listening. Yeah. Very intently. Yeah. 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 522-8255, folks. 522-8255. If you have a specific question, if you know about the uh, emotionally uh, emotional freedom, emotionally focused Couple therapy. If you've tried it, if you want to share stories, uh, by all means, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any interest, been reading about it, you want to share what you learned from it, we'd love to hear from you as well. 522-8255 or text me at 266-7617. I appreciate that. Um, Let me see if somebody texted. No, not yet. That's good. Sometimes it is. uh, You get a text, I'm paying attention to the conversation. Then it's an hour later, I go like, oh, we got a text an hour ago, so... Anyway, 
the um, the attachment theory theory is is extremely interesting and everybody understands it because it is in a perfect world it is the love that a mother gives to a child after birth um the 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 way the the mother looks at the baby the baby looks at the mother there is this total unconditional love feeling and anybody who observes that from the outside looking in will see that that is truly there is no doubts about it this is true love true unconditional love and i think that as we grow older it becomes much more conditional in love and when we do when we are in a relationship and you have to work and you got to take care of the house and take care of the children and finances and and cleaning the house and cooking and shopping and everything that comes with daily life we have a tendency to get into a routine and indeed not have those moments where we look at each other and just feel the love from the heart and it's almost like everything else is gone everything else is melted it is just you with your partner. And I think that is part of the this therapy that you, you go back to the beginning, to the connection, to when you fell in love or when you fell in lust with each other, and that you find that that one feeling, can we revive that? And is that part of what we're trying to do over here? That is one of the things that happens is those feelings are revived and sometimes for the first time ever, actually, really, really that deep feeling of motherly love that you talked about. But what sometimes when we're so busy with work and kids, sometimes that's one way that we're coping. That we're coping with the pain of not feeling close to each other. Mm. That we just keep busy because it's so, actually so painful to feel a disconnection from the person that matters to you the most in the world. Mm. And we kind of numb it out and we get used to it. Um, but there are patterns that are there throughout a marriage that, that kind of signal that something, something's going on there. Yeah. yeah something's missing. Such as, give us an example. Uh, such as when, when, for example, when, for example, if you come home and I'm busy and I don't even look up, <laughs> I don't even look up and greet you. Um, I'm preoccupied. I'm busy, or we get we get snippy with each other. Mm-hmm. We get short with mm-hmm. each other, mm-hmm. or uh, we just kind of go our own way and do our own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of a signal. There's something deeper going on. And there's actually pain. There's actually pain in underneath all of that. Yeah. Quite a bit of pain. There's a video called the still face video. And if people Google Edtronic still face video, they'll see a baby and a mom. And it's an experiment that's been repeated thousands of times. The mom and the baby are so closely attuned and it's beautiful to watch them together. You know, the baby goos and ahs and the mom ahs and the baby points and the mom looks. But then the mom is instructed to look to go flat face, to not show any reaction to the baby. And you see the baby first try to get the mother's attention in positive ways. And then when that doesn't work, it starts to, to kind of get mad and start to protest and kind of scream. And then that, when that doesn't work, the baby, a very short amount of time, just starts to shut down. Their body just, just regulates. Mm-hmm. And we know that because of brain science, we know that's happening in adults as well. It's just that we learn how to not show those reactions so much as babies do. Mm. Mm. My daughter has twins who were born six months ago, so I, I observe the love that she and her husband show for the babies and, and that, that total um, 
the look of total dependency and love and trust that you see in the babies. They're okay, you know, and they cry now and then, and you know, they're they're trying to turn to to turn over from the back to the front uh, to the to the belly, and they're frustrated because it doesn't work right away. But you know, she's right there and she's helping if needed, and talk to him, and it's it's really uh, fun to watch. At the same time, I see that when my when we had our children and my wife would breastfeed she would always just focus on the breastfeeding and make that eye contact and talk and there were those moments during the day where you could really do that you know and these days with all these cell phones you have mothers looking at the phone while they're breastfeeding or they they give them the bottle and they put them on the lap and the child is facing forward. So they hold the bottle like this, you know, so that you can hold it. And then meanwhile, with the other hand, to look and they're scrolling through the thing, through the uh, phone. And I think that it is, there's a miss somewhere, you know, it may all turn out okay. I don't know. But to me, that first contact is, it's not there. There's an important, would be an important part of uh, that Con- connection with the mother. I mean, mm. you've been, the baby has been with you for nine months, mm. you know, and now you actually have your baby and you would expect that there is a, you're so happy that you want to look at it all the time, you know, but it is similar with relationships. I, I can see it in couples that you, you, well, I think the whole theory about men are for Mars, women are for Venus, you know, the, the men, do everything to get with with the wife or with the girlfriend and they'll skip work and they give up on the friends for the time being and uh, they they stay for late and they come for dinner and for breakfast etc cetera, etc cetera. and then once they they have the wife then it's the trophy you know it goes on the wall and they go like okay i gotta I haven't seen the boys for a while i better go i want to go out i'll leave you over here mm-hmm. just be calm i will be back mm-hmm. and there is we see big changes in where we have the courtship and where we actually have the relationship and the relationship t- it takes continuous work mm-hmm. yes that that's yeah and maybe a lack of understanding I think that happens with with mothers not knowing. I think pe- more people now know how much babies need emotional attention. When bottles were invented, a lot of kids got raised with bottles in their crib yeah. rather than being held. So that's an old problem. Yeah. Um, but in terms of couples, um, the guy who thinks, "Hey, I'm supposed to do things for you, and that's how I win your love," um, is going to be forever kind of not not pleasing his wife mm. because what people really need is emotional connection. I see. And and the guy who who fixes everything for his wife and is a problem solver, he needs that too. Yeah. What do you mean? Oh, he needs he needs that. the emotional connection just yeah, as yeah, much, yeah. if not more. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Because the wife may think, "Why do you keep fixing things instead of sitting with me face to face and right. listening to what what I'm going through?" Yeah. Hmm. And they just don't know how to get it, and they don't know yeah. how to give it. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter of choosing to be distant or choosing to be critical. It's they just don't know how to get that connection. And mm-hmm. then they get really desperate. But do they not know how or are they afraid to show it? Well, both. Mm-hmm. You know, it's complicated, but you're what we're saying about the infant mother attachment is if you don't grow up in 
you don't have a childhood without emotional attunement, you're you're unable to re- replicate it into your relationships going forward because mm-hmm. your brain hasn't developed around that. Yeah. Um, the problem is is that you you want it or the advantages is that you still want it. So you can do this type of work to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we believe that everyone's capable of it, absolutely. that that never goes away. Yeah. But what happens is when we don't have it as children, there are blocks, layers and layers mm-hmm. of blocks um, and our, our ability to be emotionally connected mm. is unconscious and blocked by layers of protection because mm. we had to have that protection to survive. Great stuff. Thank you very much for both for being here. Uh, Julie Manano, go to her website, juliemtherapy.com. You can contact her at 580-8082. And Lori Marchuk is the co-owner of Gallatin Psychotherapy, Inc. And their website is gallatinpsychotherapy.com. And her to- phone number is uh, 582 We're going to take a short break, and we will be right back. Stay tuned, please. So let's say a normal couple walks into your office, and this is not a joke, of course. There's not. They walk into a bar, and (laughs) (laughs) they walk into your office. Then what happens? I mean, they made an appointment, so they're there and say, "Well, we have some issues we want to work through." Yeah. Uh, What? Give us a little scenario. How does this go? What happens? Well, first of all, they're pretty nervous. One person may have been dragged there by the other. Um, Mm -hmm. both people uh, maybe feel like I'm the bad guy in this relationship, or maybe both people feel like one of the persons is the bad guy in in the relationship. Yeah. And so the first thing we do is um, we help people see there's no bad guy here, that they're both are normal and the pattern they're stuck in makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. 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 The pattern they're stuck in makes a whole lot of sense. Yes. And And they want to come out of that pattern, right? Right. Another thing that happens is people come in and they have these really specific areas that they're fighting about. So, um, you know, all of this kind of what Usually we're talking sex. about. Sex, money, right. money, parenting. parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happens is, is that all of this attachment stuff sounds really good, but then the couples come in and they're like, but we need to figure out how to make decisions together. We need to figure out how to have more sex, have, you know, or we get triggered around finances. Yes. We can't get through a talk. We can't talk about right. these things because mm. we just end up fighting about it and we can't get through it. I Absolutely. See. And yeah. so we ultimately, that's what we're going for. You know, we're using this attachment model underneath the surface and settling emotions because mm. what happens is people try to start talking about these things and the problem is no longer the problem. Now, we're using these topics I to see. talk about our relationship. Do I matter to you? Does my opinion count here? How much do you really love me? How much do you really care about me? Um, do you do you see me as competent? But they don't know that they're talking about that. They think they're talking about money. Right. They think the problem is we disagree on mm-hmm. something or we have different opinions or we have different styles, but it's really much deeper than that. And we help people to see what's really going on. Right. And, and they and they might end up at the end of the day, most of the time we still end up disagreeing with each other on certain topics. But it couple, doesn't a couple for Right. Yeah. We might still have different ways of managing money. Um, but what happens is is that we're able to resolve that. We're able to come up with a way that works for that works and it doesn't have to have all of this kind of tension around it because we've settled 
the relationship piece. Yeah. Now we're not talking mm. about two topics. Mm. We're talking about one topic. I see. And we trust each other. And we become. Pe- what happens is, is people become less rigid um, and more flexible. Mm-hmm. So they're able to kind of work through work through these things in a much more comfortable way. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. problems just disappear. They're no longer really about right. that. It's not an issue anymore. Yeah, we can be different and that's okay. Mm-hmm. We can see. It's easy. Yeah. It's easy to talk it through when all these emotions aren't getting triggered in the middle of our conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh in in the article that you gave me uh that is Ida from the book Hold Me Tight by mm-hmm. Sue Johnson. Uh, she talks indeed about the uh, the moment of being able to touch each other and to hold hands and mm-hmm. maybe doing conflict, put your hand on the shoulder and mm-hmm. just give that pff, calm down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, is that indeed one of the things that people learn how to do so that instead of walking away from each other, they actually you actually stay together and you, you say, you know what, I hear what you're saying. I'm sorry we went off this way. Mm-hmm. Um, we can work through this. I, I accept you for where you're at, yeah. and then start working from there. I it's would like, say that's It's actually is a little bit different than that. Okay. Like in the process of therapy, we learn to talk differently to each other. So if we think of our, our typical pattern, a couple, Julia, one of them may be kind of, uh, I might get critical, right, mm-hmm. of, of you and your decisions or of what you're doing. Just, in, other, just, in, just general, in general or about yeah, specific or, topics. Or around topics that we have problems with. I might yeah. get critical or might get sharp. Um, or I might use a lot of words to explain, you know, where I'm coming from and why I think it should be my way. Mm-hmm. And the other person is um, is hearing a very negative message. But when I'm safe, when I learn how to be safe, I can share in a different way. Mm-hmm. I learn to share. I'm I'm really scared. I feel I feel really scared, which draws my partner mm-hmm. to me to want to comfort me and support me. I like to think of it like when you're watching a sad movie, right? Yeah. So it's sad you know, things are happening that are necessarily comfortable, but we're resonating emotionally with the movie. And on some level, it feels kind of good to mm-hmm. have that experience. Mm-hmm. And so when you start getting these areas of conflict, you're able to go with each other to these deeper kind of sad places. And it's like that experience with the movie, you're connect, people connect over those kinds of things. Sometimes they talk about the movie yes. and it brings up their own stuff and then they're able to talk about it. Right, or, or we're talking about who's going to take the trash out and we learn that there's, you know, if that's an area for us that, that has a lot of tension, there's a lot of deeper stuff going on there mm-hmm. that we've never known about or we've never talked about. We don't even a lot of times know it's in, in there. And so mm-hmm. we start connecting with that and that's the intimacy. And when you have that in life, Life just becomes easier. You, know, mm. you have that emotional fulfillment. You're getting that part of your We're not needs always met. guessing. We're always we're not, not always, always guessing, guessing about ourselves right. or about our partner. Right. And we're connecting. Mm. That's, I think that's the most important word is we're connecting. Because what happens is when we don't have that intimate connection, we start looking for it mm-hmm. in all kinds of other places. Like I said, mm-hmm. addictions mm-hmm. or overworking or mm-hmm. distracting ourselves. Um, and when... I, I mean, personally, I've seen people who have had addiction problems, yeah. th- those just kind of dissipate once they start really getting that real void filled or the mm-hmm. void filled with the real thing, which yes. is human connection. Right. That's a good point. Right. Yeah. That's I right. think that most people who are addicted, they're not addicted because of the substance. They're addicted because it's their way of coping with suppressed pain. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then the addiction kind of causes this physical stuff in them that could become a physical addiction yeah, but yeah. once it's it's really 
hard to manage something like that unless you you go right to the root, which is the, the emotional healing, getting emotional connection, getting right. intimacy. Some right. people have never had it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people have never experienced it in their life, and it's really, really beautiful and profound to see that happen when you're working with a couple, to mm. see them be able to access that part of themselves. You know, that's such an interesting comment uh, about the addiction. Did you put in the word addiction? Uh, I knew somebody, and he was addicted to heroin, and he went cold turkey, got off it. So then you think, okay, now he's healthy. Well, then he got addicted to working out Mm -hmm. in the gym. So he would go seven days a week, sometimes twice a day. Mm -hmm. That was his new outlet to get healthy. And Mm -hmm. then he started buying vitamins. And then vitamins became... Uh, vitamins on every windowsill in his house. And I like everywhere. his new addiction. Mm-hmm. Everything is an addiction. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I know that sometimes partners looking at each other and say, you're an alcoholic. Let's take the alcoholic part. You're an alcoholic and I don't like you to be an alcoholic. And so now they may give up on the alcohol and they go to AA meetings. But then when you don't heal the actual reason why they became an alcoholic, mm-hmm they'll find another addiction that may be more to your liking, Mm -hmm. you know, but it Mm -hmm. is still not healthy for the relationship. Right. And that's the classic thing. I've had lots of partners call and say, Hey, my, my partner, my husband is addicted. Will you, will you heal him? Or my wife is depressed. You know, will you help her when actually it's a pattern between them Mm -hmm. that they're missing that that deep, that deep connection that would, take somebody out of depression or out of a need to be addicted. Mm. And they don't, they don't understand. They don't know because maybe we've never had that. Mm-hmm. My, my parents didn't get the memo. <laughs> you know, they didn't, they didn't <laughs> yeah, know. Right. Right? They had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah it's, yeah. it's too bad, isn't it? Yeah. There's a lot of that. But there's so much hope. Mm-hmm. There's so much hope for help. Yeah. yeah. That's the good part. Because our capacity yeah. and our longings, mm-hmm. our needs and our longings never go away. Mm. Yeah. So what is the biggest issue that people come in for usually? Like, wow. like how sex. Did, how did, it probably yeah, the sex. most common one is sex or we're fighting. We can't talk about things. Mm-hmm. We can't communicate. Can't get through a discussion mm-hmm. or distance or we're on the edge of a divorce and this is our last ditch effort to stay together. But let together. me ask you about sex. Yeah. Is it, the, is it the tool that triggers it or is it the actual problem? It's both. It's a vicious cycle. It is a vicious cycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, okay. it becomes a... It somehow, because it can become a control issue, right? Right. Somehow one person comes wants it, the other one says, no, I'm going to control you. I'm not, I don't want it. Right. And so, so no. you start that with something that you, you just, at, once you bring in the tension to a topic, it takes on a life of its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the tension just starts exasperating itself and it mm-hmm. becomes a vicious cycle. So we have to get in and break that cycle. I see. And it's, Yeah. Sex, that makes sense. Sex becomes not about sex. It becomes all these negative messages. Yep. I hear that I'm not good enough for you, mm-hmm. that you're not happy with me, you know, with sex, or that I'm, if I don't give it to you, then you're going to be upset with me. So Correct. it's kind of like a threat. Or is this the only yeah. reason you want me? Right. It's a big one for women. Is this yeah. all you want from me? Yeah. Do you really even love me? Really? You want me yeah. to take care of you, but what mm-hmm. about my emotional needs? Yes. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And the problem with that is, is again, going back to sometimes, you know, to be kind of speak generally, um, when it's usually, you know, the male who is struggling with being emotionally available, mm-hmm. usually, um, he just doesn't know how. He simply doesn't know how to, to emotionally connect. Mm. Again, he's not choosing. 
but a lot of times men get that connection physically. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, that's often why the man becomes a pursuer for sex mm-hmm. because that's that's his route to feeling closeness and feeling accepted. Yeah. Right. Much well, easier route than the emotional connection. Wasn't that a saying that says that men use love to get sex and mm-hmm. women use sex to get love? <laughs> There's some truth to that. Yeah. 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 Men know exactly how to to treat the wife in order to to have the end result mm-hmm. being sex, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and and then there mm-hmm. was that saying where women count everything as one. You know, you buy mm-hmm. a guy a Ferrari, he'll love you for life, and you buy a Ferrari <laughs> for the wife, and she says, that's one point. Right. <laughs> and a rose is one point. And, uh, right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it is a, uh, it, it, indeed, the whole emotional connection is is uh, what, what drives us mm-hmm. in reality. Mm-hmm. Unless mm-hmm. you become a type A personality, which some people pride themselves of being a type A personality, and I and I look at them and I say, but are you really happy? You right. know, and they they think they're happy because they're successful, or they're happy because they always have a full agenda, and they run out of agenda points. But there has to be time where you look at each other and actually communicate mm-hmm. eye to eye, and 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 be able to say, you know, this was a rough day, or mm-hmm. this is really I'm really struggling. I read this article and I'm just struggling. It brings up a lot of stuff for me. That you have those times, yeah. and we we have a tendency to be busy, 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 and not being able to simply communicate. And with sometimes each other. that's how we cope. That's how we try to find happiness when yeah. we don't know how to have that emotional connection with someone to feel that love. Then we have to keep busy to not mm-hmm. feel the pain of that. Mm. Yeah, the constant distraction becomes a way that that person is trying to find intimacy. Like another addiction. Mm-hmm. The constant distraction is the way the person is trying to create intimacy. Mm-hmm. To feel good inside. To feel to feel okay. What do you mean by the distraction? Uh, oh, having just, lists and having oh, I constantly see. having your cell phone and the type A that you were just describing. Right. Okay. Which none of that is bad in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It's when it goes out of balance that the person is trying to use those things to fill an emotional need. That's when we start having problems. Hmm. But to a partner, it may come across... Like, what What are you trying to do to avoid me? Right, right. Why are you? Why are you doing this to avoid why me? Why are those things more important than I am? Yeah. Hmm. 522-8255-522-TALK is the number. Julie Manano and Lori Marchak are over here in the studio of, at Gesundheit with Jacobus. And we are talking about emotionally focused couple therapy. It's EFT. Uh, it's not the same as emotional freedom technique. That's tapping. That's something different. But this is also called EFT. Just want to let you know. And it is uh, was invented by Dr. Sue Johnson in Canada. And you can actually find a lot of videos about this, about emotionally focused couple therapy on the Internet. So check it out if this interests you and look at some videos and lectures and read about it. You'll be, you'll be inspired to work on yourself and I, I think in my promo before the radio show, I said the two of you may also help those who just do not seem to be able to hold on to a relationship mm-hmm. uh, or who have had bad luck. Yeah, bad mm-hmm. luck on relationships or previous relationships. Why did it fail? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it, it saddens me, almost, well, I say saddens me, but when I read that people divorced because mm-hmm. of irreconcilable differences and i go like 
What does that mean? You know, I know what it means, but what does that? This is just such a broad stroke of something where you just say, you know, we disconnected from each other, and 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 often when you listen, it said, oh, we still love each other, we're still best friends. Go like, well, then stay together, work it out. Don't divorce. Why do you divorce? You know. But anyway, that is just what I what I feel that uh, some people. Is it sometimes that you run into couples who simply don't want to fight anymore? Who don't want to, excuse me, I shouldn't say fight, fight for the relationship anymore. That they just say, this is not going to work. Oh, um, yes. Um, And it's lovely when couples who have children especially come in, even if they're planning to divorce. It's lovely when they come in and say, we want to know what happened to us. What got in our way? We want to be able to heal the pain we've caused each other before we move on. Huh. And so I, I actually see a lot of that, of couples um, who are ready to end their relationship but still want to understand what went wrong. And, and that can be so helpful moving forward. And, and ironically, when people come in and they understand what's been going on and they heal the pain of it, that they, a lot of it's in their body and numbed out, they didn't even know it was there, all of a sudden there's a rekindling of that love and that lust um, wow. that completely turn a, a relationship around yeah but absolutely we work yeah. with individuals as well yeah i um one of the things i often tell people when they come in at that place where they're really and this happens a lot they're really mm-hmm. saying to themselves are we are we going to fix this are we going to go forward or are we going to end it yeah um and one of the things i like to keep to tell people to encourage them and keep them going is that most likely what's going to happen is you're going to take these same patterns into the next relationship. and uh, Totally. Right. And you're probably going to find someone without really realizing it that also plays into those patterns. Um, and you're going to create a similar relationship, maybe with different issues, yeah. but a similar emotional dynamic. Yeah. So yeah. I always say, you know what, why not just fix it in this one? Yeah. Why not just do it in this one yeah. instead of, you know, keeping this pattern going? Why not find out what's happening with you in this relationship? Because we it's usually, just here. yeah, yeah, we you always attract our own emotional equal, right? I I believe that I yeah. do. I think there are exceptions to that. Yeah. Um, but I do believe that. And sometimes people think, well, there's just too much pain. There's been too much under the bridge, but really, it's not. It's not so much that we can't help people get through it. Right. And divorce is painful. Mm-hmm. Oh, right, and expensive. I mean, going for, through for, all of that, yeah, yeah. right, and f- especially for children. Mm-hmm. Uh, children, oh, yeah. uh, I right. just talked to somebody, and you know, they're going through a divorce, and and a seventeen-year-old uh, mm-hmm. is is just really losing it, and and feeling, you know, what what happened over here? Mm-hmm. Why are my parents divorcing? And then you go to seventeen-year-old, you're almost like an adult, but mm-hmm. that is so painful. Yeah, in heartbreaking. The other lovely thing that happens is it impacts your children when you mm-hmm. can heal the patterns between you. It's it's incredible, even for adult children, mm-hmm. the benefits that they get from that. From what part? From their parents kind of understanding and healing what's been going on between yes. the two of them. Because yeah. children pick up the distance, oh, yeah. they pick up the, the tension. pain, even if yeah, the tension, absolutely. even if they don't talk about it or try to hide it. Well, they, they may not know all the details, but right. they, they they feel the energy. They're right. not stupid. Yeah, you know, right. you raise them yourself, so yeah, don't, right. don't tell yeah. me that your children are not sensitive. Right. You know, they. Uh, that's just, in my opinion, how, how I observe it, at least uh, from my point of view with my children, of our children, um, they're very sensitive, very right. aware, uh, very opinionated, right. and 
mm-hmm. they'll they'll set you straight. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? And um, what I see is I see once we get the parent relationship healthy, it just impacts the whole system. Mm-hmm. Um, it, does. it doesn't happen. Everything, everything changes. Including finances. Everything gets better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, everything gets better. Um, it takes time. You know, yeah. it's not a quick fix. No, it is not. Um, but it it's impossible for the parents to improve without the whole family improving. It's right. Yeah. Right. And it's really actually a community that shifts as well. Parents become wise resources. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. I I know that you, Lori have to leave. You have some people to see. Yeah. Thank um, you so much. I really appreciate uh, you came in. I know that you're very, very busy, even working on Saturdays. Uh, so, but gallatinpsychotherapy.com is the website. Julie Manano and I will stay for the next hour and a half. So please uh, stay tuned. We're going to be right back. You brought up the issue of sex. That is often one of the, maybe the number one issue that comes up. Is it, sure. is it usually that and and even within sex it could be too much or too little or mm-hmm. too intense or not intense enough within that you have mm-hmm. all these variations mm-hmm. um usually i i assume it's because there's not enough of it usually what happens is one person wants more and the other is more comfortable with less so I what see. happens is that creates a dynamic where um, a lot of tension comes on board that that becomes a, a way that they're not feeling cared about. Yeah. Um, you know, typically, and this is not always the case, but typically the man will be more interested yeah. and um, what will happen is he will start to kind of send messages that um, you're not providing enough or I'm frustrated. Yeah. And then the woman starts to feel like, is that all you want from me? Is that the only reason that you love me? How come I'm not getting emotional connection? And then they start sort of feeding off of each other. It becomes, it doesn't become a connecting event. It becomes a disconnecting topic. Yeah. And, and, and which it doesn't can be facilitate used, a good sex life. And it can be used as a tool, right? To control. Um, well, we tend to look at it in kind of softer terms. Okay. Um, it's more of a way of, of getting needs met or trying to get needs met. All right. Good enough. Um, it's never, it, I mean, very rarely do we see anything coming from a truly manipulative place, uh, or a power imbalance type mm-hmm. of place. Um, that does happen, but, um, people, people tend to think that's what it's about. But when we really go down below the surface, it's, it's not really about control. It's about Getting your needs met. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's actually, I appreciate you highlight that because that is true. That is kind of what this whole philosophy is about. Right. The emotionally focused couple therapy, EFT. I I think physiologically, there is a couple of things that I Mm -hmm. can see happen. Uh, A woman giving birth doesn't like her body much. Maybe it could be, right? There's been a hard Mm -hmm. pregnancy. It can also be that her levels her hormones become very discombobulated and when they start their menstrual cycle again and that uh, is something called estrogen dominance which sure. means really is progesterone deficiency it's a very fascinating topic but sometimes the feeling is just not there anymore absolutely and then right. when you listen especially to this radio station 
you hear every hour commercials for men with erectile dysfunctions. Mm-hmm. And so that is a big issue too. Uh, and I talk to men on a regular basis who, who ask me what they can use for erectile dysfunction. And then I, I often ask them, um, how do you feel about yourself? Because there are men who don't feel they're adequate enough or they they may not like the partner anymore, how the partner has changed. And we all change as we get older. Right. Our bodies change. And so all of a sudden we may have a certain visualization. The porn, the porn industry is one of the largest industry in the world. So there is obviously there are obviously a lot of people right and we being have involved in porn as a way out or as an as a substitute as a so substitute to, as a substitute yeah. so you talk about pornography that is big uh you you talk about um uh, erectile dysfunction in men for a combination of reasons it could simply be because of too many estrogens in the environment it could be um, not feeling good about themselves, being too busy, losing muscle tone, losing testosterone mm-hmm. in general. And then I, I look at women physiologically uh, who who are not happy with the way their body looks after they gave birth or after they gave birth mm-hmm. to several children and they're so busy and occupied and emotionally charged or women who do breastfeeding and get so much nourishment out of that, having right. this child working the breast that they don't want the husband at that point to even touch him anymore. Right. And those are all things that, that play a role. Right. And those are very real problems. They are. So they are. What we do is we look at the emotional piece of this Excellent. and we work on that part. And that doesn't mean that it takes away physical problems. Right. Mm. So that's a situation where we would say, okay, this, we're taking the emotional tension out of this and we're going to get that resolved. And you still might have issues with estrogen dominance that you need to go have, you know, have looked at yeah. by a doctor or a naturopath or mm-hmm. however that looks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Does that and answer your question? I don't know. It's if not I'm really fully a question. It's more it. a yeah. combination, I think, mm-hmm. uh, of, of statements. I look at it myself and I realize that when people, when women have come in and talked to me, mm-hmm that are frustrated with it and, and that men are frustrated. Um, and then that I, frustration I creates a dynamic with them where they start to feel either pressured yeah. Um, yeah. or deprived. Yeah. And then it becomes an emotional issue. And a frustration, absolutely. Yes. And then it becomes about the relationship, not just about the sex. So when we can target it on the relationship level and start to talk about those emotional needs being met, then things really start to transform. Now, again, Correct. it's complicated. Sometimes you have to hit things from all different angles. Yeah. So if there's true physical stuff going on, then that needs to be addressed. Now, pornography addiction, um, that that I have found to not be too difficult to work with. Because, oh, it isn't? No, I mean, you know, again, this is my experience with it, but, um, you know, it's an intimacy disorder. It's, mm. it's people are looking for that kind of satisfaction or fulfillment mm-hmm. that they're not sometimes not getting in the relationship. Right. And when we can get that intimacy on board and create that around their own relationship, it just, the need just dissipates. I see. On its own, on its own. Right. And I have clients who do go to a or 12 step programs for that. Yeah. And that can, that can be helpful, mm-hmm. but really what, I have seen heal those kinds of problems is creating, like I said earlier, filling the void, filling the intimacy void. Do you 
have you seen in 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 your therapy session with people that one of the two whoever it is may admit to the other that there is a pornography addiction yes. and the other person had no idea um well that happens personally i have not had that happen but I, that could um, happen right i mean oh, yeah well i absolutely. have this yeah people come in yeah. and they have secrets from their partners yes um, but my my experience is the wife already knows, and that's usually one of the reasons that they're coming in is mm. because of that. Is it primarily men who are addicted to porn, or yes. is it also women? Um, men, primarily men. Primarily men. Yeah. Okay. Then, and again, that's a generalization. There's always exceptions to the yeah. rule. But but I, yeah. I, I see your point, and I don't want to delve into the pornography mm-hmm. here. I see your point that it always started somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that is where, why all of a sudden did did we move into that, did you move into that direction? It is because there are certain uh, feelings that are not being understood or they're not being met, certain desires, needs. They're not, not being, being met they're and not, not communicated. They're not communicated. Yeah. And when we don't know how to communicate them, we don't know how to get the need met. And and. Of equal importance is we don't know how to meet the other person's need. Hmm. So what I'm doing is I'm teaching people to know what they need, first of all. What do I really need here? Because it's usually very different from what they think that they need. Yeah. And they're they're kind of using these other things as code or as substitutes. Okay. Um, and once they know what they need, then we talk about um, how to get that need met. Hmm. And we do it. It's experiential, though. We do it. We... We create such situations in the in the room by delving into our deeper feelings and learning how to communicate them for each other, yeah. um, and getting that experience in the room. This feels really good in here. This is a new way to communicate. We'll take the same topic, sex. We'll take the same feelings that are on board, but we will communicate them in a different way that ends up feeling bonding instead of going up into these moves that push us push us away from each other, which is what they're doing at home. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They almost avoid it. Right. Right. And it just gets worse. It just keeps getting worse because they're handling it in ways that are really destructive to the relationship and are are eroding the trust and Mm -hmm. tearing each other apart. Mm -hmm. So we're now using all of the same material to have the communication surrounding bonding, actually knowing what we're talking about here. On a deeper level. You mean what is bonding? That's what you mean? Understanding bonding or we're trying to bond? Bonding meaning understanding each other. I see. Knowing each other's real selves. Knowing each other's authentic selves below the way that we're showing up with our, you know, the way that we're really acting on anxiety. I see. Um, Seeing each other, being seen, being understood. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is one of the reasons that I like to work with couples because I was working with individuals for a long time. And um, what I was seeing is that people would come in and get therapy. And for the first time in their life, sometimes they're feeling understood. They're feeling heard. They're feeling seen. Mm -hmm. They're feeling validated. Mm -hmm. They're able to see themselves in a way that feels much better than being consumed with shame or, um, some of these negative um, views that we start to have of ourselves or that other people in the world have of them. And it feels really, really good to have someone connect with you in that way and see you and understand you. Um, the, the downside to that is that if they're not getting it in their real life, 
um, you know, that's a problem because that we don't want someone to only be getting that type of a relationship with their therapist. I see. And sometimes it can create a dependency um, mm. where that person's needs are being met by the therapist. So I see. then the answer to that is like, well, okay, go out and get that in your real life. Well, sometimes that's not possible. Sometimes you're in a relationship with someone who's not getting therapy. And even mm -hmm. if they are, we still don't know how to connect with each other. I see. So when I started working with couples, what happens is I'm teaching them to have that kind of connection with each other. And they're getting it in their real life instead of just having to get it from me. Hmm. And it's much more fulfilling to see someone get that in real yeah. life. And but sometimes you need that triangle relationship in order to open your eyes right but then Absolutely. what you say yeah, you, you gotta, need, you yeah. got, you're, you're the one taking it home with you so yes. you got to do something with it yes and and i'm i'm helping them yeah. get that with each other and and there there's i mean i'm not individual therapy is very, can be very helpful not to throw that out the sure, window sure, sure. at all yes. but um for me the greatest change that i see in people is working with them in the context of their relationship. And another thing is you really see people in the context yeah, of I was their relationship. Say, that was one thing yeah. that I was going to bring up. Now, do you sit in a triangle with each other? like, uh, Or do you see two people next to each other so they cannot, unless they turn their heads and look at each mm -hmm. other and communicate, when they're talking to you, if they use you as the channel to, mm -hmm. to communicate with the partner, right. they may not see how the partner is reacting, right? But if you sit oh, in a triangle... Oh, they're really in tune with how the partner's reacting. Oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. People are really emotionally attuned to each other. Mm. Um, we, we pass anxiety over, you know, within nanoseconds. Huh. So, yeah. Now, they might not yeah. be looking at each other, but they they're not, knowing. They, they know, absolutely. If they might not have words for it, but they know. Huh. And that's what we're working with. We, mm. want, we want that to be on board. They're attuned to each other because they're so important to each other. Yeah. And if they weren't important to each other, they wouldn't be having all these big negative feelings. They wouldn't be scared. They wouldn't be fighting because it wouldn't matter. So really distressed couples are really telling me this is how much we matter to each other. This is how much we want to be close to each other. Mm. Um, yeah. So in, in, in on, on the note of, you know, the sitting arrangement kind of thing yeah. is I, I work a lot. Anybody who's worked with me or any, EFT therapist knows that what we do is we work with one partner at a time hmm. and then we get, we get to what's really going on with them. Like you're, you're, yeah, you're behaving in this way and your partner is seeing you being really mean or being really distant. So what's really happening for you? And we get to that and then we have them communicate that to each other. If we, if we allow the couples to, start doing, start communicating with themselves without okay. our helping orchestrate it, especially yeah. at the beginning, yeah, yeah, yeah. then what happens is they go into the same patterns that are pushing them themselves away from each other I to see. begin with. So we have to be really careful with letting all the communication sort of at first be filtered through us. So that yeah. is uh, part of the setup? Yes. When they walk in the first time, you say, this is how we're going to do it? Absolutely, and yeah. That is, and that is what? When one person talks, the other one cannot interrupt? or uh, Well, we don't, exactly. you know, it's it's more of a gentle kind of way of facilitating <laughs> that. Now, some people are very, very, very escalated and very upset and really need to be heard. And sometimes it, it you you have to really and that work can switch a little bit visit. harder. That can switch per visit, um, I would say, yeah. wouldn't it be? Yeah, well, okay, so 
So we have this thing, what's called the pursuer withdrawer dynamic, which is, um, is, you know, most couples come in, the vast majority of couples come in with a pursuer withdrawer dynamic. And that means that one person in the relationship is the one reaching out, the one crying for help, Mm -hmm. the one trying to get the other person's person's attention. Mm -hmm. And the other person in the relationship is the one more likely to shut down, to get quiet, to not want to make things worse. That it, that doesn't make either bad or good. It's just their different ways of handling their feelings within the context of the relationship. Yeah. And so what happens is, is that um, the pursuer usually is the one that is a little more escalated, the one that's feeling a little more desperate. So it, it, there is some consistency sometimes to who, who is the biggest in the room, for lack of a better word. Mm. Um, but so what happens is that people it's really interesting i i yeah. you have this uh you the showed me these slides <laughs> yeah it's very interesting yeah. if i if you don't mind me saying uh, sure. pursuer you say behavior so there is a primary behavior no there's a primary behavior and there is a primary emotion yes. the primary behavior is critical hostile aggressive and attacking and the primary emotion is actually feeling rejected, yes, inadequate, yes, shame, overwhelmed, numb or frozen, alone, alone, unlovable, sadness, unimportant, hopeless, fear, and then the the secondary emotions that come out of this. I think that's what it is: is anger, rage, frustration, jealousy, anxiety, and resentment. Yes, and then you have the withdrawal is the one who shuts down, who is silenced, distance, and becoming defensive. That's in the behavior. Yes. But the emotion for that individual is hurt, feeling alone, unwanted, isolated, abandoned, unimportant, disconnected, unloved, sadness, and fear. And then the secondary emotions for that person, even though it is very withdrawn, is also anger, rage, frustration, jealousy, anxiety, yes. and resentment. So it's very interesting that one can ex- not can express it better. One expresses it more, mm-hmm. and the other one automatically takes that secondary role, or let's call it this way, mm-hmm. the withdrawer. Yeah. So yes. as a therapist, you need to catch that. Oh yeah, that's my job. And if I if I kind of allow that those behaviors to show up in the room, what am I doing? I'm reinforcing those habits. So I have to stop that and say, no, we can't do this. We Mm. have to, you know, start learning to communicate these feelings in a way that is good for you and bonds you instead of tears you apart. And now we're going to develop habits around that. And we're going to learn it in here first because we're going to practice it in here, like learning to play the piano. And then over time, you're going to start, to do that outside of here on your own I to see. the point that you can do it on your own completely. You don't need me anymore. I you know, see. I want to work myself out of a job. That's my goal is to work myself out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. but we also, you know, to speak to that pursuer withdrawal dynamic, what we want it to look like at the end of the day is we want the pursuer to not have to get so big, to not have to cry so loud for help, to not have to feel so desperate. And we want the withdrawer to come up and be able to talk about his or her feelings, to be able to um, know what usually pursuers are just so overwhelmed with their emotions. And, and, then and the other emotions, right? Right. And then withdrawers are, are completely disconnected. 
even though they're in pain, they're yeah. not connecting to what's really happening with them. And um, so we want the withdrawer to be able to access emotions, to be able to show up and communicate those things. Because right. pursuers are like, I don't, you, you don't share anything with me. I keep trying to get you to talk to me and you don't, you know, really? you don't tell me. You oh, would say yeah. the pursuer is the one that wears the heart on the sleeves. They'll say whatever yeah. they want to say. Yes. They become across, uh, they yes. come across like being aggressive. What do you yes. mean that, what do you mean when you say, I need to hear you speak about your emotions? Oh, the pursuer is asking that to with, to the withdrawer. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought that you meant yeah. you as a therapist. That's what you, uh, right. that's what you hear. Right. Right. Huh. Yeah. And I've had, you know, a lot of times men are the withdrawers, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. It's um, part of it is just our, you know, society, and part of it is just, I think, biological. Um, and so a lot of times I'll, I'll have men come in, and they have no idea that they actually have feelings, just no idea. Really? No words for it. And it's really, really powerful when you can kind of connect someone to that part of themselves for the first mm. time. Mm. Um, and it can be, yeah, it's really beautiful. Mm. And then they're able to let their partner see them, to see these parts of them that they've never seen before. Yeah. And it's so connecting. Wow. Yeah. It's almost like you find the person back. Yes. Who you fell in love with. Yes. Or a Because person it's always been there. It's always been there. But sometimes right. somebody can be so overpowering yeah. in their behavior, sometimes to... You know, some people just don't like silence, so they always yes. feel they have to be loud. Yes, that's, you know, that's, and not realizing that they're dominating the conversation or dominating the the room. Right. And the and usually these people, they just want to be heard. They just yeah. are so desperate. Yeah. I want to be heard. I want to know I matter. I want to know I have space here. Yeah. And mm. yeah, mm. It, it's all coming from these really soft, vulnerable places. Mm. It just can look on the surface so harsh and so hard and so critical mm. and so distancing, but it's, that's really never what's going on mm. underneath it all. Interesting. Powerful. Yeah. Good job. That's really uh, very insightful. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Stay tuned. We are going to take a break for the news and then we have a whole other hour left with Julie. We'll be right back. Uh, Julie mentioned to me during the break there are about 12 therapists in this area. Is that including Park County or is that primarily in the Gallatin Valley? Um, that's, a, that's a general number, but Gallatin Valley. Gallatin Valley. You, what, what, what you would need to do is go onto the website if okay. you're interested in getting an EFT therapist, um, montanaeft.com. Yeah. And that so will complete give you Montana EFT or MT complete EFT? Montana Montana okay, yeah EFT.com. Montana EFT dot com and okay. that will give you um, a list of the EFT therapists practicing in all the different. I, it's funny I just looked at it and I noticed that my name's not even on it. What? <laughs> Which is funny. I need to get that remedied, but um, I think I may have gotten to pay my fee I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, whoops <laughs> but it will list the other oh, they're the other hard EFT they're hard yeah, ah. yeah so that's there's okay a, there's actually a question from a call from a listener and on text and it says how does nutrition factor in the relationship therapy is that something that has been any studies done on it or and i and i and i know that 
to me, and I think you you too, it makes sense that yeah. if your blood sugar drops, uh, we may say things that we probably shouldn't be saying and uh, can affect us. But how does how do you what would what would your answer be? How does nutrition factor in the relationship therapy? So my answer to that would be: How does a person's nutrition show up in the relationship? So mm-hmm. you just gave a very good example of that, which your blood sugar drops. Yeah. Um. And you know, people people who are struggling with nutritional issues probably have other all kinds of different physical discomforts. So the way that we would work on that in the relationship sense and. Just to put this out there, that's an area where you can go get help for your nutritional problems so you don't have um, this discomfort. But when you do have it, and sometimes people have to live with all kinds of things like this that you know are chronic, it's how you speak about it in the relationship. So instead of having your blood sugar drop and you feel angry and tense and you get snappy with your partner yeah. um, because you don't know what else to do, um, what we would do is we would work that in a way that eventually you get to the point where it's like, hey, you know what? My, I, I feel kind of shaky right now and I might be a little bit moody and edgy. So if, you know, if that's what's going on with me right now. It's not that I'm not loving you or not or trying to hurt yeah. you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a very different way of mm-hmm. having that be in the relationship. It's still in the relationship. It's how we're communicating about it that mm-hmm. is the difference. Okay, well, that hopefully that answers the question. Habits. Do you sometimes uh, see in couples therapy, well, no, habits is another topic we can talk about. Uh, let me ask you another one. When we come into a relationship, as I mentioned in the first hour, we really carry our own backpack mm-hmm. of emotions, experiences, griefs, work experience. Traumas relationships, broken relationships, Mm -hmm. promises with us. It's almost impossible before people get married to process 25 years or 30 years of your life in a a year. And and you're not spending a whole year together. You're literally, and and it comes from both ways, right? Mm -hmm. Both people want to be able to talk. Yes. (laughs) So there is nothing wrong with dating, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no <laughs> we want that <laughs> yeah exactly uh and and still there are some people who literally just say after a few weeks you're the one i'm going to marry yeah. you and uh they may have a great relationship everything may be honky dory but also people some people I, I i go they have dated for six seven eight years then they get married and all of a sudden it seems things are changing and then mm. they they don't get along mm it's it's so strange and i just don't understand that is all of a sudden um you know i i'm not a bible scholar but mm-hmm. it says in the bible once you get married there is like this cosmic law that mm-hmm. says thou shalt not be unequally yoked together mm-hmm. and so it is if you're dealing with emotions and karma let's call it karma i like to use that word Sounds really good. Uh, <laughs> if you have karma, your karma gets kind of split up between the two of you. It's not that one has more and the other one has less. You kind of mm-hmm. become equally yes. yoked together. Absolutely. And sometimes you're dealing with emotions that come up mm-hmm. that were never before come out when you just had a relationship. But once you decide to get married, uh, things are different. And all of a sudden, these people are divorcing and mm-hmm. they couldn't handle it. And I, to me, it is just so sad. It is what it is, the reality. Mm-hmm. But- People dealing with emotions, that's why I really enjoy this program today because it gives me a whole new insight in a, in, mm-hmm. in a different therapy. And 
And so much comes down to what life has done to you yeah, emotionally. Right. It's not just financially. And and you see that there are people yeah. who are multimillionaires that are just unhappy. Well, the, the, the money doesn't make them happy. Right. And but but the problem is is they don't know that. So they just think, well, if I had more money, I would be more happy. Mm. Um, so they don't know that. So a lot of times what happens with this emotional baggage, um, a couple of different things. One is people don't know it's there. You know, they just they don't have words for it. Mm-hmm. It's the pain is there, mm-hmm. but they don't they don't know, you know, really specifically what it is. And more importantly, they don't know how it's affecting them. Um, some people have really big blocks surrounding acknowledging some of the problems that went on in their childhoods. And that's because most parents aren't good or bad. They're per- they're imperfect people. So we have these experiences with these people who love us and take care of us and nurture us in, in many ways and then really drop the ball in other ways. Mm. And it's sometimes really hard for people to, to acknowledge their parents did things that had a negative impact on them I see. because they don't want to take away from the good. Yeah. And so I have to sometimes really help people understand seeing how these more negative things impacted you does not take away your parents' goodness. It's all a big piece. Mm-hmm. But we need to look at how the things that negatively impacted you are still showing up in your relationship. Yeah. So sometimes yeah. we have to we have to get through that wall first, and then we start really looking at things, and we start saying, look, this was a pattern when you were growing up. Yeah. This wasn't good for you. You yeah. know, you developed these coping mechanisms around, you know, you, you were kind of put into this box of I have to be an, a super achiever in order to get attention mm-hmm. um, or any anything, or I'm, I'm always the one who's getting in trouble, you know, so you kind of start to develop habits around getting attention with negative things, mm-hmm. right? And so we're helping people recognize that and recognize it, how it shows up in the relationship, how their behaviors are direct results of some of those feelings yeah. and communicating it really being able to communicate it because when you're not directly communicating those things you're it's coming out sideways those feelings are coming out absolutely. and they're coming out in your behaviors and nobody's talking physically. about physically, physically. absolutely yeah. all do, you know like i said just sideways all yeah. over the place yeah so well even but when you're working as a couple you also need to work on yourself right yeah. i mean you 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 need to work on yourself and when you go back to the late eighties, I recall um I recall John Bradshaw, who mm-hmm. would have the theory about the inner child. I always liked looking watching John Bradshaw, listening to him. He was mm-hmm. such a father figure, a comforting mm-hmm. <laughs> comforting voice, so calm, so collected in how he explained the tough topic. And mm-hmm. um uh, I, I I take it that we are um we should be responsible, first of all for healing our own inner child instead of asking a partner to fulfill um, our attachment needs. Yes, yes. Well, it, it's a continuous, um, it's right, a continuous right. thing because new things come up on a daily basis that, mm-hmm. that, needs to be, that need to be addressed. Right. So, um, you know, probably from an attachment perspective or from an emotionally focused therapy perspective, we might um, focus more on the partners helping each other fill these emotional needs, right? Mm-hmm. But there's mm-hmm. always a line there. So we don't want to cross this line into what, you know, some people might call codependency. Where, right. Right, where my feelings or my partner's feelings are going to determine how I feel. 
mm-hmm. um, because that becomes a cycle in and of itself. So what happens? We start trying to control our partner's feelings yeah. so we can feel good instead of just creating space for our partner to have those feelings and being there as a comfort instead of trying to fix it or right. trying to talk them out of it. Don't become right? it. Yes. Just be yes. there. And right. that's the healthy way of being. And that's what we're trying to foster. Oh, that's interesting. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're, yeah. we're looking for a, a happy medium there. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, so you know, one, one, you really yeah. start thinking about it. That's a, that seems really simple, but that's a huge issue. Yes. Because so, it's so easy to get, to hear something. Uh, and I have the same with my wife at times, she may just say something. And I mm-hmm. said, what, what is that all about? And she mm-hmm. says, oh, I was just talking to myself. And I know she is. Right. She just <laughs> things out loud. And then yes. it, it triggers something me because we're the only two in the house. So when I hear the voice, I go, oh, she's trying to tell me something. And uh-huh. then, you know, I, and if I'm in the middle of something, it could irritate me. Sure. But to be able to be detached from that and yeah. just go up there and say, what exactly did you say? And yes, get curious instead yeah. of filling in the blanks. And that's another piece of this is that when couples aren't able to communicate what's really happening for them, what happens, they start filling in the blanks and they mm-hmm. start coming up with all of these scary explanations for why my partner's behaving in this way, Yes, which breeds insecurity. Huh. So we're not having to fill in the blanks because we're communicating with yeah. each other. And it works indeed both ways. If you got to work on yourself, absolutely right. Yes. And then within the relationship, you got to work on the relationship. Mm-hmm. And as you work on the relationship, you are realizing that things are working again better in your own life. So working yes. as a couple can be very therapeutic for you as an individual. Absolutely. And like I said earlier, you know your you the real you shows up in the couple. Or in the relationship, your real patterns, the Mm -hmm. real ways that you're behaving that might not be working for you or for the relationship um, that might be showing up in other areas of your life. Mm -hmm. They're showing up in the relationship. We can see them. We see them in the room. I can see what you're doing right now that's not working, what your partner's doing right now that's not working. And I can work with it. Because when you get, when, when individuals come in, you know, you're, I don't ever believe that someone's lying or trying to manipulate me, but you're seeing one side of, you know, you're seeing one side of it. Right. And, and a lot of times that you can, the therapist can start to see, Oh, you know, she's married to this jerk or yeah, she's exactly. married to this. And really when you get the husband in, you realize he's not a jerk. He's just got his own stuff going on. Mm-hmm. That's part of this pattern in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then we have just to go back to the, um, uh, you know, kind of the emotional, um, emotional connection yeah. and where we want it to be. Yeah. Um, there's a continuum. So mm-hmm. on one hand you have what we would call enmeshment where we're too dependent on each other emotionally. Yeah. It's too much. We're yeah. not, we need to be thinking and feeling the, the same way all the time or we're insecure. Yeah. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we have just disconnected, disengaged, distant, mm-hmm. which we're not, we're really not connecting at all. So we want that medium, that happy medium mm-hmm. where we're connected but we're not insecure. We can be away from each other um, and, and still feel connected mm-hmm. without having to kind of anxiously seek that out. Or hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it okay. totally makes sense. I'm thinking as you speak, I try to visualize it. I'm very visual. I need to sure. kind of see that scenario mm-hmm. in my head. And um, uh, yeah, just from your experience, what kind of time frame are people often looking at that you say I've had couples come in and 
I could tell there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of fighting right. in yourself, right? I'm not talking mm-hmm. about fighting, fighting, but are we talking years? Are we talking about numbers of sessions? Is a session mm-hmm. an hour? About an hour or is it um, an hour and a half, two hours? Well, long I is do it? hour, hour and a half or two hours. Okay. Um, you know, the more people come in, obviously, the faster they move. Um, so the more hours you put into it, you know, the faster mm-hmm. you're going to move. It really depends. I've had couples come in who have been together for a relatively short amount of time. They've maybe just gotten engaged yeah. and, and they can change relatively quickly within, the, you know, four to five sessions. You can see big, big shifts. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, catching problems before they start. Mm-hmm. Um, some couples have been married for 20 years and they have a lot of stuff built up. There's, mm-hmm. there's very little trust. Huh. Um, there's a lot of animosity, hostility, mm. resentments. Mm. And so the more that's there, you, the more you have to work through. And, you know, that, that could be um, year plus, you mm. know, before you're going to see, you know, a lot of real transformation. And it also depends on the therapist, too. I mean, obviously, the more highly trained a therapist is, the more efficiently they're going to be able to work. Lori uh, Marchuk, who was here earlier, she and her husband do couples intensives. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Well, Lori does the intensives. Lori and her husband do workshops. And what does that um, what does that entail? Is the it a weekend? Is, is a, a weekend. Okay, um, and those are different couples all together in the mm-hmm. same room. Yeah, it's like a couples retreat. And how does that yeah. How does that feel? Does it feel um, that you because you you may actually know another couple in the mm-hmm. in the retreat, right? And you may feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. that that couple knows something about you. I mean, obviously everybody is there right. for a similar reason, but yeah. still there could be the personal issues that says, oh, mm-hmm. I don't know if I can really be myself here. Well, so I don't know a lot about the workshops that they do, um, but I do know that they are experts at creating safety. Mm. They, they, the way that they set it up is it's just very non-shaming, very normalizing. Um, At the end of the day, this therapy, no matter what's going on, on top of the surface, no matter what you're seeing, at the end of the day, we're just going down to humanity, just the level of basic needs, basic wants. In humanity, and when people can start connecting in that way, it just it the the surface stuff kind of goes away, and it just creates a an mm-hmm. environment of safety. Um, but but the intensive uh, the intensives that she does, I know a little bit more about. And what that is is, um, she sees the couple for three days. I yeah. think the first day is maybe five hours, the second day is eight hours, the third day is maybe three hours. Oh, okay. And it's just a very fast tracked, um, intense, and I. No, I've had couples that I send to her, and it's a very, very intense, profoundly bonding, transformative experience. What What makes it intense? For example, um, what What is it? Just a lot of information that is intense, no, no, or no. is there a role play with different couples where different things come up, or is it a lot of crying or a lot of laughing? What is What is um, it's it a lot intense? of going into a lot of deep pain that have that has been with people for a very long time and, mm-hmm. and processing some of that, letting those feelings come up and um, in with your partner with you. And it creates a lot of empathy. Um, sometimes there's a lot of anger to process. Mm. It's uh, just lots of emotion in the room. Mm. This is very interesting. And I really hope 
that people are going to look more into this and read more about it because it is different. It's different than the therapies where you you have. I I keep thinking about the word boundary. Yeah, where often I people statements. say. Yeah, the yeah. I statements, and that is uh, that is not this. This no. is really it's very different, but at the same time, it's complementary. Yes, because all say. those things end up happening, but in a natural way yeah. instead of a forced way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to be uh, taking a break right now. Apparently, the the clock is ticking, so I can't stop that. I appreciate all of you listening. I hope you stay with us till eleven o'clock. And beyond, uh, and beyond what I mean to say with this is, please, this is a very, very interesting topic that affects all of us. Use your time, check out these websites, and find out information that can help you be a better person. We're going to be right back. It's uh, been a pleasure to have you back Thank on the you. show. Thank you. I'm having a great time. Thank you. We uh, were just talking that you were on the show Two years ago, yes. January 28th, and you just told me that you moved to Bozeman on January 3rd. I did. I did. Goodness yeah. gracious. We hadn't even moved into our house yet. Yeah. Yep. Where's your Where's your practice? I'm downtown on oh. um, Rouse and Main. Oh, the okay. Old, old Bozeman Hotel. Yeah. There's yeah, a lot yeah. of therapists right. in that building. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Must be uh, charming to be in that old building. It's interesting. Yeah. It's a really quirky, quirky building. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very old. <laughs> Feng Shui is good. Yeah, I like it though. <laughs> yeah, I see, like I like go. being downtown and yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe if so many therapists have been there, maybe there's just the energy hanging right. in the place. Yeah, you know, healing kind of energy. A, yeah, healing yeah. energy. Yeah, the um, the it, it's it's an interesting uh, focus that we're having today on the emotionally focused couples therapy. And you you gave uh, you've given a presentation to the gra- many of the graduate students here in Bozeman at Montana State University. Mm-hmm. Um, about this, and you are discovering that there is actually, an, it, it may for many of them probably be an aha moment, like, oh, mm-hmm. I didn't know, this is, it's 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 successful because mm-hmm. this therapy designed by Sue Johnson is something that is very uh, new, and at the same time, it is, it's been around for a while, mm-hmm. but what I, what I feel is that People are learning more and more about it, Sue Johnson, and they go, mm, it is different than the norm that we've used in psychology for so long. Right. And it's different. It, it really helps to open up the relationship of people by being able to be honest with each other and understand the feelings that are behind the behavior. Sure. Yeah. Um, so in the graduate programs, um, the EFT is one of the main two um, modalities in working with relationships that's yeah. taught. So mm-hmm. um, if someone wants to go into couples therapy and that's their goal, um, yeah. then you'll learn, you'll learn a lot about EFT by the time that you graduate. Um, but a lot of times what happens is people, and, and myself included, um, we go into it wanting to work with individuals and then we hear about EFT and we switch over mm-hmm. to couples work. Yeah, where where do we go from here? There is so you talk to the graduate students, you work with them, well, and all I, of a sudden I, it's 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 like, wow, that is a, a different direction. Even though it is all in the same field, but we have a different avenue, and and you almost have to unlearn some of the things that yeah, you learned before. Why? Right. What, what is the big difference? Would well, you just say? to clarify, I I was I really only came to one class and was a guest. 
speaker okay. in that class. So I don't want to, I want to be transparent there, but um, we, you know, a lot of the times people come from traditional um, couples therapy or family work, which really more focuses on changing behaviors mm -hmm. than changing the attachment issues and emotions, shifting around the way that we're communicating those things, um, which the goal is always for the behaviors to change. Mm -hmm. We just approach it from the inside out, or sometimes we say the bottom up mm. instead of the top down. I see. Um, right. And, and there's some of that too. I mean, sometimes, you know, we're teaching people if you do nothing else, just try not to do those behave at first. Just try not to do those behaviors that get you in trouble. At first, just try not to. And mm. then after we can, you know, and that's not always possible for no, people, right? No. But but it's something that they can at least try. Uh -huh. And then we're really, though, we're working at the bottom and the emotions and the attachment needs and wants and what's not the needs that aren't being met. When we start getting those needs met, the behaviors just really take care of themselves. Mm. Um, I, you know, when, as you're talking, I'm thinking, and and I, I, I sometimes it, it's 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 easy for me to fall back into what I understand about emotional therapies, mm -hmm. and when people are depressed and mm -hmm. and anxieties and phobias and all that stuff that they bring with them in the relationship, and obviously they have to work on themselves, but. Are, are, are there certain habits that partners bring up in sessions whereby the other partner just says, I had no idea? Because we are talking earlier mm -hmm. about how you have the, the pursuer mm -hmm. and you have the withdrawer. The, is that the one, the withdrawer? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the pursuer may be very vocal and be very active and being aggressive in what you, whatever you can call aggressive here. But it, it shuts the withdrawal down mm -hmm. to the point where they don't even can ask questions. And so mm -hmm. all of a sudden these questions come up in the therapy session. Mm -hmm. And um, and now you gotta you, you deal with something, you go like, I, I wasn't aware of this. Mm -hmm. So the communication is a big issue in relationships that simply we don't communicate. Well, we're, we're, a lot of times we're not communicating what we're really feeling. Right. Oh, it doesn't have to be pain, right? It could be happiness too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes um, sharing joy and happiness can be very vulnerable. Huh. It, it can set you up for feeling rejected or feeling like you're not being joined in that or feeling like, um, you know, you're, this isn't okay for you to be feeling like this right now um, or it's too much. Yeah. So what is interesting, uh, Julie, that I feel in the communication here is – individuals are struggling mm -hmm. and that's the bottom line. What is it that causes you to have the issues? It's not, I've been so busy with the children or the children were sick or I got to help them with homework or I'm working full time and then I have to mm -hmm. do groceries and I have to clean up the kitchen and, 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 and do dishes. This doesn't have to be from a woman could be mm -hmm. combined, right? Sure. Um, they're all excuses. That's what you're saying could be, excuses of I would say they're symptoms symptoms mm -hmm. but the underlying problem is not being discussed the underlying needs aren't being met so the, the needs are needs are being and, met. and the problem so the needs are I need to know that you love me I need to know that I'm important to you I need to know you're not going to abandon me I need to know I matter to you I need to know you hear me 
I need to know that you respect me. I need to know that you value me. I need to know that you want me. I need to know that you value my opinion. I need to know that you can be patient with me. There's, you know, there's a number of them, not hitting all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I don't know that, so in those moments, now some couples can be fine and know that in some moments of their relationship, but Mm -hmm. when they get into this stuck place, this area that there's some insecurity and they don't know, I don't know right now that I'm important to you. Mm -hmm. The way you're looking at me doesn't, it's taking me to that place where I don't know if you're listening. I don't know if I'm important to you. And then what happens is I, is I get really frustrated. And so what I do is I start um, saying, why aren't you listening to me? And asking kind of frantic questions or I get desperate and I start maybe criticizing you and say, you, saying you never pay attention to me. Or I start judging and saying, the only thing that you want to do is hang out with your friends or watch TV, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And then that person now goes to their attachment unmet need, which is, I don't know, you know, I don't know that you trust that I actually do care about you. I don't know that mm. you trust I actually am, you know, I don't know if I'm good enough for you, right? And then they get really frustrated. They feel misunderstood and unseen. And a lot of times they, it's overwhelming, right? They don't know how to communicate these feelings. They don't know what to say back. They don't want to make it worse by getting involved in the argument. Right. So they just shut down or they fight back, right? Right. Both of them are in fight or flight mode at that point. At that point. Yes. yes. When you're, when your attachment needs aren't met, you don't feel safe in the world. Because if somebody says, well, I don't really think that you care about me. I don't yeah. know for sure that you care about me. And the person says, my yes. God, I'm mowing the lawn. Yes, I, yes, yes. I fill yes. up your car. I do the yeah. finances. I help you cook. I help you clean. What are you talking about? Right. Right. And then. So I now that, also- that person's move is becoming defensive and trying to convince the other person. Right. Instead of just saying, I do really care about you. Those sometimes, are all great things. But. Yeah. Sometimes in those situations, I don't know how to respond to you. Sometimes I don't, you know, sometimes I just get really frustrated because you think I don't care. And that's really painful to think that you think that. And I get overwhelmed. And the only thing I know how to do is shut down. And that conversation is healing. That conversation in and of itself. Because now that person is being seen. Even if it's sometimes I just don't know what to do. Mm. Instead of trying to frantically do it right. If, does that make sense? Yeah, it makes okay. sense. And I'm thinking too, uh, when, when they say, how does a child know you love him? It's spelled in four letters. It's not L-O-V-E. It's T-I-M-E, spending time with a person. Is that part of this, what we're talking about, that often couples feel that in order for them to be emotionally understood and and their needs are being met and their feelings are being heard is simply by having time together, that many times Mm -hmm. we just don't spend enough time together to look each other in the eye and, and really converse mm-hmm. and, and make the person understand you hear what they're saying and you you sometimes you just listen. There is no mm-hmm. need to provide an answer or to give a rebuttal. Well, so, yeah, some, sometimes people don't know that, though. Sometimes do people don't know how to just listen. Sometimes people need to feel like they're rescuing a person or they're fixing it. Yeah. Or it's so overwhelming that I don't know how to fix it that I just want to shut it out. Yeah. Because if I don't know how to fix it, maybe I'm not valuable to you. Yeah. And it's and it's less about the time, although of course time together is important because that's connecting. It's more what's happening during the time that they're together. 
That's what right. we're looking at. Because some people can work together. Yes. But they can, they're not connecting together. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I see couples who spend lots of time together and are have, have a really distressed relationship. I see couples who do have really great sex lives, but yet their relationship is still really distressed. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. I know that you too. You see all different kinds of conversations. I mean, I've, had, I've read stories about yeah. it. People have great sex, sometimes yes. twice a day. That's their way but of connecting. They, yeah. Yeah. But they're not communicating. There's not uh, the tension yeah. in their relationship isn't showing yeah, up. I don't understand sex. how that works. I I think that that really becomes sex as an act instead of sex as the result of emotional connection. Well, it's complicated. the The key word here is fear. Where's the fear showing up? The so fear. The fear. The fear of my needs not being met. The fear of not being loved. The fear of not being cared for. The fear of not being important. The fear of not. Are you going to respond to me if I reach out to you? Some couples that doesn't show up in sex. Some t- couple, many couples it does. Some couples it shows up in household chores or finances or parenting. Some couples it shows up all over the place. It's everywhere. So we're looking at, you know, that's why some people can get along great in certain areas. And a lot of this, you know, kind of centers around what kind of baggage are they bringing to the table? People yeah. who have sexual trauma are already having emotional issues with sex that are going to show up in the relationship. Um, Some people may have had really good experiences with sex, so it doesn't doesn't show up there, but it Mm. will be showing up somewhere else. And we all have our weak spots. We all have our relationship weak spots. Right, and that's why sometimes the sex comes easy, Mm -hmm. but the other issues will come out sideways and then you yes. find out there's stress in the relationship. Yes, or you'll go out in public and you'll see these couples and they're getting along so great and they look like they have this wonderful relationship yes. because that's an area of strength for them. They mm-hmm. can they can do well in social situations or they're really good at hiding it. Correct. But behind closed doors, their stuff is showing up somewhere, mm-hmm. You know, depending on how distressed they are. Yeah. So you can, you know, a lot of times people... I see this a lot. Couples look around, they're like, everybody's healthier than we are. Um, but that's not always the case. Mm, you know, you never really interesting. know. Yeah. I do, I do know a couple who used to <clears throat> really almost be obnoxious how mm-hmm. much affection they showed in public. Mm-hmm. And a year later, they were divorced. Yeah. And after right. almost 30 years of marriage. That's really like, sad when that it happens. Is, it is. Yeah. It is. And I just, uh, boy, you know, slow and steady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> slow and know. steady and, and get those get those problems before they get too deeply entrenched. And even when they are deeply entrenched, there's so much hope. Yeah. There's so much hope. I, I just see it all, you know, every, my, my days are spent helping people get out of these ruts. Hmm. There's so much hope. If, they, if nothing else comes from this show, I just want people to know there's help out there. There's good help out there, mm-hmm. and there's hope. You don't have to be suffering like this for the rest of your life. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I, I I still feel that communication is the key. Yeah. You know, and and how do you communicate? I mean, mm-hmm. that that's the thing. There has to be balance in communication. You cannot just blast somebody and tell them exactly what you think sure. at that time and come back five minutes later and said. I didn't mean to say it this way. I'm sorry. I yeah. hurt your feelings. You know, that, that that's not helpful. We need to we need to understand that when we communicate, there is a time when we speak and there is a time when we listen. Yeah. And some people have a hard time listening. 
I know right. my wife and I once did, and we, we, yeah. we didn't continue it, but it would be, we had like an alarm, and uh-huh. we would say, you can talk for 10 minutes and say whatever you want to say, and the other person will not say anything, right. you know, <laughs> and it goes good yeah. one way, but then the time reverses, and then, wait yeah. a second, I don't agree with that. So, so it you sounds know. like <clears throat> to me, when I, hear, when I hear you say that, is that you, you and your wife do have a pretty solid foundation of trust. I feel so. Yeah, and so what you, you can do things like that, yeah. For each other, kind of these little problem solving kind of things. And mm-hmm. they and they work because mm-hmm. of that foundation of trust. So what happens is when I have a couple come in and there that foundation of trust is not there. It maybe used to be and there. Trust goes in many directions now, right? I mean it's not just sure. about uh, having an affair it really means can I trust you to open up and be can, myself? Yes. Can I trust that when I talk to you, um, you're gonna listen to me? Can I trust that you actually want me? Can I trust that you respect me. Can I trust that you? Um, I'm important to you. You're not going to go away, mm-hmm. right? So when when that's not on board, that couple is probably if they tried the timer, that would be a disaster for them, mm-hmm. because there's not enough of a solid foundation there to support that. I see. They would. It would become in, not. Of course, I'm speaking in generalities, but it could become another way that they feel unimportant to each other. Mm-hmm. Like even when it's my turn to talk. I can see that you're not really there. Mm-hmm. Your face looks blank or, yeah. you know, it's not funny, but yeah. I hate to laugh. But Well, and I can sometimes see in the relationship communicating with my wife that repetitive patterns come up that happened when we were way young, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and that that I can say, well, I remember these moments. Well, she's heard that story many times before. Yeah. And she will say, well, this is what I remember from growing up in my family. And I go like, I heard that story a hundred times. Sure. But still, there is a reason why it still comes out, right? Mm-hmm. It is uh, it is something that needs to be addressed and listened to and mm-hmm. uh, just well, treat it most... like it's the first time because it's, it's yeah. sometimes you have to hear, I understand Native American tribes often would talk and talk and talk and you talk in your circle until you don't talk about it sure. anymore, until you're done. That would be right. the healing, you know, talk yes. about it until the healing is, yes. has, has and, happened. And, ta- and this is really important, talking about it to an available other. That's the piece of it. Talking about it to someone who's really understanding available. and hearing you, available, emotionally yeah. available yeah, to you. That makes sense. Right. Yeah, and it's not, it's not uh, that's really an important key. That's the key. That is it. I mean, we can't, you know, talking to a wall might help that person organize their own experience. So it goes both ways in this case. You, yeah. you sometimes need to know when you can bring up certain topics because the other person is totally in a different mindset and you right. totally take them. They're not ready They're not, to hear that. Yeah. And then you get irritation. Yes. You know, either it, thre- it, is, it feels threatening in some way. Yeah. So right. maybe go on a walk together, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and find that moment when the communication starts spontaneously Yes. or when you have a chance to eat together or go on a date and, and, and find those mm-hmm. moments where you literally, th- th- that's just your whole focus to be together. Instead yes. of being distracted by phones or by other activities that need to be addressed. Absolutely. Mm. We need to be able to really sit with each other. Yeah. And you mentioned a minute ago, and this is this is another kind of interesting thing about affairs and really big things that happen. So mm-hmm. sometimes in a relationship, some some really big thing has happened. And it doesn't have to be objectively big. Um, it, it's big in, in the way that it impacted a person. And we call these attachment injuries. Yeah. Affairs are are attachment injuries. It means it it so shook up my trust yeah. that I I have there's a huge block for me to trust you again. 
I have I this constant kind of fear and anger that I'm carrying around with me. Mm-hmm. So sometimes before the couple can really get to the point where they can participate more in this work, we have to, re- we have to get that. Or, or sometimes after we do some work, that has to be addressed. That has to be something that um, is taken care of in order for the couple to move past it. And what that means is the person who was hurt, and sometimes both partners have attachment injuries. Yeah. The person who was hurt is able to talk about the situation and, and talk about how they were impacted by it. And the partner can really listen and really get it and really turn to them and say, I hear you. I hear how much that really hurt you. Because what happens is sometimes the part or the partner will get defensive and say, well, I didn't mean to do that. Or, yeah. well, you, I did it because you weren't paying attention to me. Correct. And that's not healing or, or trying to fix it. Well, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to not do that again. That's not healing. What's healing is just hearing and saying, I'm so sorry that, that, that you went through that experience. I can really see right now how painful that was for you. This is the person who had the affair. Yeah. If that's what's that. happening. Right. Yes. Right. I really right. see how that affected you. Wow. Yeah, and that's that, and and that might need to happen a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that space is created, and it takes some work sometimes to get that space, mm-hmm. um, then that that's the the way out of it. Mm. You know, I like to say the only way out is through. You know, when we're brushing this stuff under the rug, it, yeah. Great, great show. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. I, had, I really enjoyed this. I hope it was helpful. Yeah, I uh, to me it is. You know, I I learned I learned a bunch of stuff. I hope other people have learned as well. I appreciate you, and I wish you all the best with your practice, uh, Julie Manano, folks. Five eight zero eight zero eight two, or go to juliemtherapy.com and uh, find out more what you can learn from her. I appreciate you. All the best to you, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Okay, you're very welcome, folks. We'll be back. See you next week.